Hey, this is Sandy Shepard, and today you'll have some miscellaneous holiday ramblings from the girl in the spirit cape. Relax, pull up a chair, and join us for the Be a Bond Girl podcast, featuring mastermind coach and author of Fempowerment, Unleashing Your Inner Bond Girl, Sandy Shepard. Hey, this is Sandy Shepard, and welcome back to the Fempowerment Web Radio Show. As many of you know, if you listened to my last podcast, I'm in the middle of the grand adventure of training for an Ironman triathlon. I had a really interesting weekend, or actually an interesting Saturday at a Christmas party, and I thought that I would share that with you. Unfortunately, I've had this coughing bug for about a week and haven't been able to train pretty much at all for the past week, but uh, on Saturday I did go to the team workout with my iron team, team in training, and did the running and biking portion and strength portion of that workout. I didn't do the swim, but all in all that was six hours worth of working out. Yes, this from the girl that on November 7th could not run a mile, could go about 16 lengths in the pool, and would be totally crapped out and who hadn't been on a bike in probably about 10 years. Yeah, six hours. Pretty cool, huh? Anyway, at the end of the workout, I actually was awarded the spirit cape for the team for the week. I will post a couple of pictures of the spirit cape. It's actually pretty funny and it's given to some one of the team members who is embodying the spirit of the Iron Team for team and training. So I was actually very excited to win the spirit cape. I also immediately figured that I would wear it to our fancy Christmas party that evening and see what became of that. Well, when somebody walks into a fancy party in a purple cape with green marabou feathers around it, as you can imagine, it definitely strikes up a few conversations. Four people even asked me for donation information, so hopefully it will also spur some donations for folks, especially since we're coming down to the end of the year when uh, charitable donations will be still counted for your 2009 taxes. Yes, this is my shameless plug. You can also donate to me if you so desire, but that's not what I started this podcast for. One of the conversations that I had was with one of my neighbors, Ricky. Ricky and I don't know each other particularly well, um, and she started talking a little bit about the training and actually had asked me um, how fit I was when I started and what I'd been doing on that day. She definitely mentioned that she's going to be turning, I think she said 50 in July, and she felt that she was very much out of shape and she really had put it on her schedule that she wanted to be in shape for her 50th birthday, but she wasn't getting out there, basically, that she was finding other things to do with her time, as it were. And um, I said to her, well, basically, that when I first started, I absolutely was in the worst shape of my life, full-on couch potato mode. I um, am 30 to 40 pounds overweight, depending on who you talk to. 
And every time I go out and run, or even when I bike and swim, I can feel every single one of those pounds. Um, it's it's distressing to tell you the truth, especially since I know better. But all of us get into those um, loops where we start doing stuff and kind of go downhill, and it was time for me to pull myself back up by my bootstraps and get going again. Well, I mentioned to her that that day I'd actually been out for six hours working out and it was very very interesting she has a son and she immediately said oh there's absolutely no way i could ever do that um i was sort of mentioning to her and another gal who was listening to us uh about the idea that maybe she'd want to join a team in training for hiking or maybe biking which she apparently really likes to do and she just absolutely dug her feet in and it was interesting because maybe it's because I'd had a glass of champagne or I'm not quite sure why, but um, I just wasn't having any of that. So I turned to her and I said, well, you know, you really say that you do a lot of stuff for your husband and for your son and you're not doing that much for yourself. Um, let me tell you something. What if, uh, poof, right now I told you that um, you have uh, leukemia or you find out that your son right now, poof, that he's got lymphoma and she looked really sort of shocked or upset basically and which I understand because I was being very serious and I said you know what would happen you would be sitting at the hospital for six hours getting your blood circulation circulated through a machine or you'd be watching your son have chemo and getting sicker and sicker and instead what I am doing for six hours is I am giving my body to help people who are in this situation you'd find six hours you'd find six hours if suddenly you had cancer instead what about using your body to help cure cancer and to find that time instead in a way that will then also get you in better shape because as I sort of said to her I said you know we do only have 24 hours in the day but saying that you don't have a certain amount of time Mm, I just can't believe it. Um, I know that you would find the six hours that I spent working out today if indeed your son suddenly had blood cancer. You'd be sitting in a hospital for those six hours instead of working out and actually getting yourself fitter and helping find that cure to cancer. Well, she wasn't very happy about me putting it that way. I think she wanted me to do what... Um, Obviously, she's been doing in the past and what uh, most people do, which is, oh, well, you know, yeah, there's lots of, you just have to find the time and blah, blah, blah. I, I, I've just given up on that now with people. It's, it's interesting because I was one of those people where I would take, you know, why don't I do a podcast every week? Well, gee, suddenly that half an hour that I have to do the podcast slips into I don't know, doing laundry or trying to find another client or, you know, whatever. But the the difference being that if, God forbid, I was suddenly to have a life-threatening illness, I would certainly find the time to be going to the doctors, to be going to the hospital. It's just a matter of priorities. And the other gal who was listening to us, his name is Susan, she's one of our other neighbors, was really interesting. She said that she's been doing... Uh, she's been hired, she's a consultant, and she's been hired to do a study on the difference uh, between people who are mission-driven to get a goal accomplished um, in work, 
or who are basically ego-driven or power-driven. She said that the people that were actually driven by something outside of themselves were really the ones that even if knocked off their game would get back up, dust themselves off, and absolutely get back on the mark. That she had realized in her studying this for um, one of her consulting gigs that the people who are mission-driven are the ones who absolutely will get whatever it is done. It's the people that are more ego-driven or internally driven, power-driven, that can get knocked off of the game and just decide to give up. The people who are mission-driven really just don't give up. And she said that she herself had been, we're all the same, we're all, you know, women in our 50s and uh, our late 40s. And she said that she suddenly realized that she'd been complaining as well about her fitness level and stuff like that and that she had never really thought about the idea of being mission driven about her own exercise level and fitness instead of seeing it as something that was basically ego driven you know driven by the fact that she wanted to look better etc etc and so I told her as well that team and training has all sorts of teams that you can raise money for uh, cancer research doing biking, doing walking, doing hiking, uh, skiing. And so she was very interested by that. In fact, she said, um, she said to me that she sees me a lot out, you know, in the, almost the middle of the night. Well, of course it's dark at six o'clock here, but, um, she'll see me out running and, um, she does tease me a little bit because let me tell you something, I am not the best athlete, but she says she sees me plugging away at it. And she just has always really wondered since I started doing this how I really could get out there how I could get out there in the rain how I could get it done and I explained to her the two of them I said look team and training has a schedule for you they tell you what to do every day your job is just to do it and whether it's getting out there for half an hour or an hour or whatever I tell myself every day I just have to get out of bed and do that thing and I am not going to an hour of chemo. I am not driving a child to six hours of blood recirculation. I am not going to look death in the face. All I am doing is loaning my body for donors to hang their money on to then combat this horrible cancer and try to really trample it to death. I've been using the word trample actually because um, my Ironman that I'm doing is in Louisville. Most of the people on our team are doing the Vineman, so they're talking about stomping cancer like stomping grapes. And I've been kind of jealous of their analogy until I realized I could say I'm trampling cancer like the thoroughbreds at Churchill Downs since we're going to be um, running in the area of the Kentucky Derby is um, being held. So I kind of like that analogy now. Anyway, so that's what I was doing in my purple cape at the Christmas party. And I felt real, I really felt like my mission was coalescing as I was talking to these people as I as I was looking at these gals who yeah like all of us there they got the jiggle in the middle and we all sit there and talk about how oh yeah I got to get back in shape oh yeah I got to do this and as I said to them look it's like what they say on motivation to move.com stand up take a step and repeat but here you are giving your body and getting in better shape to the mission 
of curing cancer. The coolest thing about this, to tell you the truth, is that my husband and I drove out on Sunday because we had a 30-mile bike ride on the uh, schedule for that day and then a 15-minute run. Unfortunately, we started a little late. We wound up only doing 18 miles of the bike ride and then we were pelted with rain, so i got to finish that up today. But anyway, we were driving out of the neighborhood and lo and behold, who do we see coming out of her driveway with her husband but Ricky, the gal I'd been talking with about uh, getting out there and getting some exercise, which was really, really cool. I actually felt like perhaps just that conversation had been a little bit inspiring to her. And I definitely, I don't think would have even uh, talked with her or gotten this conversation going if it hadn't been for wearing that silly cape. There was actually one other conversation that we had at the Christmas party that was so fascinating. And it really wanted me to share it. I wanted to share it in this podcast as well. We're talking with a guy who is a math tutor. And um, he was talking about a gal that he had who was in one of the private high schools in the area and um, was taking tests, or rather private grammar schools, and was taking tests to try to get into one of the private high schools. And she had A's and B's in school, but when she was taking these tests to get into the private high school, she was getting like 18%. I mean, really failing, failing, failing miserably. And so her parents were beside themselves since she was about an A-B student and could not figure out what the heck was going on. So they had hired him to sort of tutor her and figure out what the story was. Well, he couldn't figure it out either. And so he actually went and looked at the test that she was taking to get into this high school. It turned out that the test that they were given was actually an aptitude test. Not a test to test your learning, but to test your aptitude. You've probably either taken one of these tests or certainly know these kind of tests. They give them all the time, um, or certainly used to in the 80s and 90s, at a lot of different employment situations. It's basically to see basically what you're good at. Well, this little girl wasn't good at anything. She had learned to be good. She had learned to be an A or B student. My husband heard this story and was so taken by it that we wound up talking a lot about it after the party. My husband is really quite gifted in a number of areas. He's He has an aptitude for spatial relations, for physical things. Like He can just pick up a sport or a way to make something and um, he's it's just innate in him. I think one of the things that's been funny in our 10 years together is that I uh, I don't have a real aptitude for a lot of stuff like that. I certainly do not have an aptitude for anything that has to do with uh, physical education or anything along those lines. When I was a kid, I would do anything not to have anything to do with physical education. And I remember that, um, oh gosh, we were probably in sixth grade, maybe fifth grade, something like that. My parents enrolled my sister and I to be in a ski club that would go up to Tahoe during the weekend and go skiing. We'd have chaperones, etc. I'm sure my parents just wanted to be free of us for the weekend. But when it first started, I was really bad at skiing. And I remember that 
I had, and I just wanted to quit, to tell you the truth. I'm, I'm not particularly good at being bad at anything. And I remember one of the ski instructors took me aside and said, you know, you, you don't have an aptitude for this. However, skiing and almost anything can be learned. And so what you need to do is do exactly what we tell you to do. These other kids that have an aptitude for this, that are, are sort of picking it up right away, it's almost worse for them because they don't realize that they have to learn it. And when it starts to get hard, it's likely that they'll quit. Now, I didn't believe that, but this instructor really made me believe that if I just did what I was told, that I would be able to do it, that it wasn't something that I had to have this magical aptitude for. Well, sure enough, I just kept plugging away at it. And before I stopped skiing, which was quite some time ago, I actually got really good at it. And that teacher was right. Once it got to the point where we were having what I would call more technical skiing and, you know, things like that. I mean, this is quite a bit later. A lot of people just peeled away. They, they were not able to do what they were told. They were not able to, gosh, almost be taught, I think, because they picked it up so quickly that they thought that that's the way that it was supposed to be. And so they quit. This happened to me in law school, actually, as well. I remember I actually went back to law school. I'd gotten my bachelor's and then I decided I'd never go to school again because I was done with school. And three years later, I got my master's and then I was done with school. And then three years later, I was in law school again. So a lot of people that were in class with me were about, could be nine to 10 years younger. They all were sort of gifted students. It's hard to explain. Um, I was always the one who really would have to study and um, things didn't exactly come naturally. I certainly was not a gifted orator. That's why I didn't become a litigator. And I remember studying for the bar and studying the way that I study and having so many people, even to, um, you know, the this one guy that was sort of my, my second father, saying who was a lawyer, my dad is a doctor, saying to me, well, you're not going to pass the bar the first time. I mean, that just isn't done. And, and of course, I did pass the bar the first time. In fact, I passed the bar with such high marks, they asked me to grade the bar the next year. And I think it's because I did exactly what they told me to do. If they said, you're going to do this many uh, exercises, and you're going to do this many of this, and this many of that, that's exactly what I did. In the last podcast, I talked a little bit about taking what seems like an impossible goal and breaking it down and breaking it down and breaking it down until you get it to action steps. In a way, that's a bit like what I'm talking about in that I feel that because I don't have an aptitude, especially for things that are that are physical related, that are that are related to the body, I have found the team and training, Leukemia Society team and training, and I'm doing exactly what they tell me to do every day. And I'm believing that that will mean that on October 29th of next year, I will be able to complete an Ironman. I wasn't able to work out this past week because I was sick. And that really worried me. I uh, 
had a few emails back and forth with my mentor and she was saying don't worry about it it's early in the year um, you're going to be fine but i think it's because i truly believe in this learned behavior leading you to a goal that these steps that have been laid out have to be followed step by step to get to the goal and i've been interested to find out how many people on our team and training about 44 of us how many of them aren't following the uh, training that's been laid out for us now granted i look at these people and most of them are quite amazing athletes i for sure am at the bottom half of of the athlete rung in our team and um it's it's just it's curious to me that people almost like that conversation that, that i had at christmas where people um say, well, gee, I want to do this, this, and this, and then they just don't follow the steps that have been laid out for them to do that thing. I think that's part of what this podcast is about, is really looking at your life and seeing where you might have a mentor or a coach. I have certainly been a coach to some of you, and where you're given some steps by somebody who can look at your situation and knows where you want to go, and then you don't do those steps you do something else instead it really means that you haven't tied enough emotion or passion to whatever that thing is and perhaps that means it's not the right goal for you but like when i was talking to that gal ricky and saying yeah okay uh i was out working out or with the team for six hours today you're telling me you absolutely would not have six hours but you would have six hours if suddenly you were the one with leukemia and you were the one that had to go to treatment, you would totally find those six hours. So it's just a matter of what's attached to that time. And like Susan, the other gal I was speaking with, talked about being driven by a mission instead of by your own uh, ego, by your own internal um, ego, often really will be the thing that helps you get it done. So whatever your goal is, whatever your passion is, Tying that somehow to someone else's mission or prayers is really often the way to pull that thing into existence. Let me give you an example. I remember I was giving a speech once and I was really struck by an idea and I'm going to share that with you now. Basically what that idea is, is that say that you've decided that you want to make a million dollars just that's your goal and you think you're really passionate about it but you're 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 going about it it's not happening whatever well it's my honest to god view that you have to have every goal tied somehow to charitably helping someone else that you have to have a mission that's somehow charitable and so what I would suggest in this example of making a million dollars is that you write down and absolutely promise to yourself, put it on your dream board, whatever you keep, that when you make that million, the 10% of the gross is going to charity immediately. Pick the charity. Figure out exactly where you're going to give that $100,000. Now, the reason why I say that is this. You need to be specific because there are people out there praying for you to deliver them and their prayers are going to pull 
your million dollars into existence. That's why you can't just say, oh yeah, I'm going to make a million dollars and I'm going to give 10%, $100,000 of that to charity. No, you have to decide that you are going to give it, for example, to the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society and then you have to find out specific people that they're helping. You need to put a face on that. If you decide that you want to help a school in South Africa, you got to go visit that school. You got to see those students. The reason for that is that then their prayers are going to pull your million dollars into existence because there's no way that their prayers will be answered without you. And that is how I feel about this Iron Man thing that I'm in the middle of doing. By making sure that every day I get up and do whatever they tell me to do on my schedule, I am answering the prayers of somebody out there who has lymphoma or leukemia. Somehow I am bringing a cure closer to those people. And we have specific honorees that we've met that are for our team. But now I have met five or six other people. People have donated money to me in honor of people who have either passed away from these diseases or who are currently living with these diseases or who are cancer free. And I am meeting these people. These people are real faces to me. And that is what gets me out there running, biking, swimming, doing strength exercises, which sure, ultimately nine months from now, I am going to look better than I do now. That's what selfishly or egotistically I would like to happen. But the reason why it's happening is what gets me out of bed every day is the fact that I have a reason outside of myself. And I know that it's a little bit easier to do this every day because the prayers of those people are literally pulling me towards that goal just like they would pull you towards that million dollars if you indeed make that absolute cross your heart in blood promise to yourself that part of that million dollars is going to be giving $100,000 to some certain charity. It's my honest belief that that makes any goal easier. If there is some portion of that, that by you getting that goal, you will benefit other people. Now, this is a little bit of a short podcast today. It's still been half an hour, but I need to get out there and get some of those holiday chores done. So what I think I'm going to leave you with is a couple of snippets of music to two tunes that have been very inspirational for me recently. These are the first two on my playlist when I get out there. And um, I actually have some little speakers that I have in the back of my camelback when I go riding on my bike. So yes, I have music playing around me. I don't think it's uh, safe to wear headphones, but I've got little speakers and I blare out this music um, when I'm on the road. And I actually have an otter box, so I put my iPod in when I'm swimming too. Yes, I know. Can't be without my tunes. The first one is called When I'm Up, when I'm Up I Can't Get Down by Great Big C. The second one is called Scar That Never Heals by Jeremy Fisher. I'm just going to play a little tiny bit of each one so you can get the flavor of it. And if you like them, I think you should go download them on iTunes. I found the first one with Aaron at the try and then the letter n reality podcast and the second one i got through the Kelowna girl podcast both of them are 
triathletes. Erin was an age grouper about my age. Mom, who did an Ironman last year in Kelowna Girl, is I think a regular Olympic distance uh, triathlete from the British Columbia area. So I'm going to play these a little snippet from each of these songs and then after that I'm going to leave you with my favorite new quote. I hope that you are having a fantastic holiday season and it probably will be 2010 before I see you again. Bye! I am the fountain of affection I'm the instrument of joy To keep the good times rolling I'm the boy, I'm the boy You know the world could be our oyster If you just put your trust in me Cause we'll keep the good times rolling Wait and see, wait and see I'll wait and see Exaltation, the sweet disintegration A few discolorations, then it comes along Abuse what he chooses, the kisses and the bruises There ain't nothing he refuses, then it comes along right now for motivation. I have a whole playlist which I have been putting on the diary section of BeABondGirl.com. Every time I have a playlist I put it up on the diary section so you can see the songs that I am being inspired by. But this very last thing that I have here is a quote. It's by William James who lived from 1842 to 1910 and this was from my girlfriend Leslie. What the quote says is Most people never run far enough on their first wind to find out they've got a second. I love that one. All right, you have a great one. See you soon. Bye.
Bond Girl is neither affiliated with nor endorsed by Eon Productions, Sony Pictures Entertainment, MGM Studios, or United Artists. This podcast is copyright 2008 by Double O Productions. All rights reserved. Fempowerment and Fempower are registered trademarks of Double O Productions. For more information, visit BeABondGirl.com. Our goal? To build a better world, one Bond girl at a time. Thank you.